Let's open our Bibles this morning, Luke chapter number 6, as we continue in our study in the gospel according uh, to Luke, Luke chapter number 6, and we'll begin reading in verse number 13, and read down through verse number 16, and please follow along in your Bible, and if you do not have a Bible, the words for the text should be on the screen behind me this morning, Luke chapter number 6, and let's look at verse number 13. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called the Zealot, Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which was also the traitor." Let's pray together this morning. We're going to look at this for a few minutes. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Lord, we thank you as we've sung about this morning. Lord, we thank you that your mercy is more. God, we thank you, Lord, um, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace this morning. Lord, I do pray, God, as we study uh, this text, Lord, I pray that you would bless this service. I pray that you bless the 1030 service and the services tonight. God, I pray that you would teach us and grow each one of us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to leave differently than we came. Lord, we thank you for our church this morning. Lord, we thank you we can gather freely. Lord, we can worship. Lord, we thank you for wonderful music. Lord, I pray that you bless our kids' programs all day today. Lord, the, the base camp groups that meet today, membership lunch later today. God, I pray that you just work all over this property today. Lord, may you be high and lifted up in this place. Father, may your word now speak to us, God. Uh, We've come today, Lord, we don't need to hear from a man. Lord, we need to hear from you. And I pray that your text and your word uh, would fall on good ground this morning. Lord, thank you for each person that is gathered here today to worship you, to hear your word preached. Lord, may we uh, see you high and lifted up in this place today. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Well, Jesus had just finished praying all night. We saw that last week, and we looked at just the prayer life of Jesus, and we'll see that again in just a couple weeks. And here, Jesus is getting ready uh, to take out of, he, he had a lot of disciples, but he's getting ready to choose those 12 that would be closest to him. You might put it this way, Jesus is getting ready to pick his team. And I don't know if you remember, any of y'all remember when you were in maybe fifth and sixth grade, you had, they still had recess back in the day. I don't know if they do that anymore. When I was in school, they had recess, okay? And we'd go outside there in Louisville, Texas at Temple Christian Academy on Bel Air Road where I went to school. And I remember we'd play different games at recess. There'd be times we'd play, anybody remember kickball? Come on now. I love kickball. By the way, our church and our youth group was the the standing champions at the Queen City Youth Conference for years right here in Charlotte, our team. I saw Amber come in, who's graduating from college. She was part of that group when we won the championship. Awesome times, all right? We we like kickball. I made Stuart, when Pastor Stuart was here, literally for the whole summer on Wednesday nights, he didn't preach. They practiced kickball so he could win that thing. So Jesus was picking his team. You remember kickball? I remember uh, some other games we would play. Uh, we'd play uh, football. I mean, that was always fun. You know, t- I think it was two below, we called it. We'd play football out there in the schoolyard. We'd play uh, uh, wiffle ball. Does anybody remember wiffle ball? Does, y'all don't know what that is? Plastic bat, plastic ball. You play baseball. It's an awesome time, awesome game. We play that. We play basketball. And, uh, you know, you'd, uh, we, we'd go out for recess, and the guys would get out there, and a few of the girls that wanted to play. Back then, we didn't let girls play sports. Men still had control. Somebody help me. 
It's a different day, different day than we're in now. You didn't have men pretending to be women and playing women's sports. Guys played sports, girls played house. That's just what we did back then. We might need a revival of that, by the way. Another sermon for another day, okay? I'm not gonna go. Remember, we'd line up out there. Uh, we'd line up, and we'd get ready to pick teams. Usually, uh, we would have two of the best players sometimes would be the captains, maybe, or maybe we'd just rotate through, and there'd be captains. And sometimes there'd be a captain, and I would hide because I didn't want to be on his team. Do you all remember that? Like, don't pick me. Please don't pick me. I don't want to be on your team. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to pick the worst players, and we're going to lose. I don't want to be on that team. And I remember that there would be some kids that were always picked last. Now, certain sports, when it came to wiffle ball, man, I'd get picked in the top three or four. When it came to football, I'd get picked, you know, pretty early. When it came to kickball, picked pretty early. When it came to basketball, I was kind of like some of our men in the sound room. I was one of the shorter fellows back then. Grady Phillip, that's for y'all this morning. That was me. I was that guy. Came to basketball, I was going to get picked last. I was going to get left out. You know, I was going to be the water boy. And, uh, you know, so, man, they would always pick the, these captains. Guess it was always the same guy. You ever met anybody that's just good at anything? No matter what they did, whether it's kickball, whether it's food, uh, wiffle ball, whether it's ping pong, uh, whatever it is, soccer. Uh, back then, uh, girls played soccer. That's just how we were. Guys didn't. I don't know where y'all are at on that, but that's what, this and where I grew up, that's just what we did. Um, but there was always the same kid that was typically picked last. When he's picked to go on the team, he was always the one that was picked last. And I want to just look at this this morning because Jesus is literally, out of all the people he could have picked to be on his team, he had a lot of disciples. You'll see here, I think it's Luke chapter 10 or 12, somewhere in there, he has 70 for sure disciples. But here he picks 12 to be those that were closest to him, those that would spend the most time with him. And I wonder as Jesus is getting ready to pick his team, if he was looking for the one that maybe was the most athletic or the most popular or the one that was the smartest or the one that had it all together. And we're just going to stop for a minute and just look at these men just briefly. Now, we don't know a whole lot about these men. In Scripture, they're not mentioned a whole lot. We know a few things about them. They're mentioned in the four Gospels, but we don't know a ton about them. And I just want us to pause this morning and just look at what happens what, when Jesus picks his team. In our text, the 12 are listed. The names of the 12, and they're recorded four times in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts. In each list, it is interesting that the names are divided into three subgroups of four. The first group is two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew and James and John. The second included Philip, Nathaniel, Matthew, and Thomas. The third included James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, which who later would be replaced by uh, Matthias, which is interesting because Jesus always kept 12. Once Judas was gone, and uh, he brought another one on to the team. And so it's, it's interesting that the, these groups are broken up this way. The number 12 is also significant because there were, all the way back in the Old Testament, how many tribes of Israel were there? There were 12 tribes within the nation of Israel that God first established back in Genesis of Jacob's 12 sons. He used them to build the nation of Israel where the Messiah would one day come. And at this 
point during Christ's incarnation, the nation of Israel, what have they done? They have rejected, they have rejected the Messiah. They have rejected Jesus. So it's almost like Jesus is picking these next 12 to kind of take their place. And they would be the ones to where the church would be birthed through. And where God would do some of his greatest work here on this earth. You might put it this way. Jesus was getting ready to establish a new nation, a holy nation, a purchased people that he would soon call the church. And aren't you thankful for that? That it's not just the Jew, but it's the Gentile as well. These 12 disciples would launch out and they would, they would start the church as we know it today. These 12 apostles versus the other disciples of Jesus, what made them significant? Man, God would give them a special calling, a special anointing. And a special mission. Man, he would give them special authority. They would be ambassadors. A special power. They would literally see some signs and wonders done through their lives. A special suffering, as we're going to see in a little bit. Each one of them would be martyred for the cause of Christ. Several of them wrote much of the New Testament. The four lists, of course, as we mentioned, are found in those first, uh, first four or five books of the New Testament. I want to look at each one of them just quickly this morning and give us some things to take home. The first one that is mentioned is this guy. And I don't mean to bore you, but it's important that we stop and we look at these this morning. The first one is this, Simon Peter. I mean, the first one, Simon Peter. The one who had a big mouth. He was always saying things that he shouldn't. Man, he, Jesus changed his name to Peter, which means rock. Peter went from a person whose mouth always got him in trouble to being one of the pillars. And rocks of the church. He ends up writing the letters we have already preached through a few years ago. First and second Peter. He went from one who denied Jesus. This is interesting. To one who died for Jesus. According to tradition he was crucified upside down. Because he felt unworthy to be crucified the same way as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's amazing. He takes this big mouth dude that denied Jesus and ends up. Y'all know the story, he ends up preaching Pentecost. I mean, he ends up being used in a great way. The next one is James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. The, they are known in the, I think it's mentioned either, I think it's in Mark, they're mentioned as the sons of thunder. Along with Peter, these guys would eventually be present for the transfiguration of Jesus and Pentecost. Um, so, what ends up happening to these guys is James had his head chopped off by Herod Agrippa I, and John was the longest surviving member of the twelve. He wrote five books of the New Testament near the end of his life. I wonder if when Jesus was saying, hey, follow me and leave everything, Jesus might have forgot to explain to them, uh, we're going to see some really cool stuff, but you're going to die. It's amazing to think about. Following Jesus, listen, it comes with a cost. It's not how many have portrayed it. Yea, all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. I mean, they ended up dying a martyr's death. Andrew, the brother of Peter, had been a follower of John the Baptist, an earlier follower of Jesus. Andrew was the one that we know that was always bringing people to Jesus. What an example. I mean, he was always bringing his friends to Jesus. Remember the boy with five loaves. Guess who went and got him? Andrew did. Tradition tells us he died shortly after witnessing to the wife of a governor. She was gloriously saved, and when she would not recant her faith, her husband had Andrew hung on a cross. It is said that he hung there for two days preaching the gospel until he died. It's pretty amazing to think about. Let me just ask you this. 
You're not hanging on a cross this morning. We're sitting in a comfortable church with some air conditioning on, with coffee in the foyer. We're going to leave and go to a restaurant or eat a good meal, not hanging on a cross. Can I just stop and pause and say, man, are we even preaching the gospel when it's comfortable? Y'all listen. If we're not preaching it when it's comfortable, I probably guess we ain't going to be preaching it when we're hanging on a cross. So think about it. Man, am I sharing the gospel? Man, am I telling people about Jesus? Man, these, that's what disciples are doing. That's what they're doing here. The next one, Philip. Philip was an example of the thick-headedness and even the doubt of the disciples. He looked for the bread to feed the 5,000. He asked Jesus to show the Father. Man, we don't know a whole lot about him. The next one is Bartholomew. Followed due to the influence of Philip. We also know him as Nathaniel. Matthew, we studied him in depth just a few weeks ago. What was his? Does anybody remember what his other name was? It was Levi. And he was that tax collector that Jesus would, would, would call. He would be one that would be a corrupt person. He would have been a person that would have been hated by his peers. I mean, he would have been, you know, a person. Most people aren't walking around wearing a shirt saying, hey, I work for the IRS. Right? That's who this guy was. Man, he wouldn't have been accepted. He would have been one that Jesus, you know, people didn't want to hang out with, didn't want to be around. Thomas, does anybody remember? Or, or uh, Thomas, what is he known as? Doubting what? Thomas. Man, he refused to be, believe the re- resurrection of Kurt. Man, he doubted, didn't he? Man, Thomas the doubter. Uh, James the son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus, also known as Judas, the son of names. Not much is known about him. Simon the zealot. Man, he was an anti-Roman revolutionary. Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, the sellout. And he's always mentioned in every list. Last. Last on the team. It's amazing the people that Jesus chose. Man, it wouldn't be the ones that we necessarily would think that he would choose. We don't, know, they're not, we don't know a lot about them, but we know they're on that list. Jesus' team of that 12. We know this, Jesus picked them. And he hand-picked them to be on his team. He specifically chose them and called them by name. And in spite of their problems and of their issues, he used them in a great way. And I think about what these men did for a living Andrew, Peter, and James, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, guess what they were? Fishermen. By the way, fishing's a biblical sport. Somebody help me this morning. I had some people mad at me last week after I talked about Jesus always went to a mountain to pray and he was never on the beach. I had people coming out and talking about, you know, how he, he knows the grains of sand and he called all the, man, everybody was mad at me. I was just glad to see somebody was listening, okay? That's why I throw that stuff out there. But here, four fishermen. Four fishermen, these were blue-collar dudes, man. They were not successful in the world's eyes. They were out there fishing just to make it through. Yet Jesus called them. Matthew, a tax collector. Man, nobody liked him. Uh, Simon the Zealot. Sometimes we'll read that and we won't realize what it was. This dude was a political zealot that his main goal in life, he would have been kind of like a revolutionary. He wanted to overthrow, listen, he wanted to overthrow the Roman government. He was a radical, man. And that's one of the ones that God picked. It's one of the ones that Jesus handpicked to be on his team. And then even think about this. Jesus picked Judas, a thief. Man, that treasure that would betray him. Go study it in the Lord's Supper. He even had Judas was at that spot of, man, of honor at that meal. 
And he was with Jesus. We're going to look at that in a a few weeks, just about the life of Judas, because I think it's important. The rest, we're not sure 100% what they did, but some things that we do know about them, we know some of their occupations. I mean, a few things we do know about this list is all of them had some faults. And that's good news for us. They all had some faults. Peter had his big mouth. Matthew in his past, he was a thief and an extortioner. Thomas was a doubter. James and John, if you remember in John chapter 20 and 21 at the resurrection, if you go read it, it's a hilarious passage because they're racing to the tomb and they're arguing over who's the fastest. Y'all remember? They literally were arguing over who was first to the tomb. Then they were arguing over who Jesus loved more, okay? So these dudes would get caught up in the flesh. Oh, I'm the fastest. Jesus loves me more. Sounds like some good Baptists I know. These are real people. Listen, they they were human. We find them sometimes being selfish. Go study it. It's wild. We're going to see it. Man, they, they often lacked faith. You see, sometimes we forget when we read the Bible that these weren't superheroes. They lacked faith just like you lack faith sometimes. They lack faith just like I lack faith sometimes. One, this thief and a betrayer. Two of them sent their mom to ask for a better place in heaven than the other 12. We want to have that chief seat. We want to have that seat at the right hand of the Father. Man, when Jesus was arrested, what did these disciples do? What did his team do? Those 12 that were handpicked. When he was arrested and went to that cross, you know what they did? They ran. They They hid. They were nowhere to be found. Are y'all seeing this? When Jesus picked his team, man, it's wild who he picked. He didn't pick the best of the best. He didn't pick the most likely to succeed. He picked Peter who denied. He picked Thomas who doubted. He picked Judas who betrayed. Man, he picked all 12 that would run when he would go to the cross. By the way, society, you know how society viewed these guys? Let me read Acts chapter 4.13 to you. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, and some of you men ought to amen right here because we fit in this category, and ignorant men. That's how society, that that was funnier than y'all acted like it was. They perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been of Jesus. Maybe the question is this morning, I want us to answer as we're looking at this list. Because these lists aren't in there by accident. When Jesus picks his team, why did he pick these men? And here's the question I really want us to look at. Is would he pick me? Would he pick you? I think in American religion sometimes we get it messed up. Who Jesus would pick. Notice he doesn't pick the Pharisees. The ones that knew all the law. The ones that were living to the letter of the law. By the way, it's a whole lot easier to help somebody that knows they need help than it is to help, uh, help a Pharisee that don't think they need any. Sometimes church people is the hardest people to minister to because they've been ruined by church. Somebody better help me preach this morning. They've hopped around church to church. They don't like one thing there. They go to this church. They don't like one thing there. They go to this church. They don't like one thing there. They go to this church. Hey, that's not what these disciples were like. Although they ran and all they departed, at the end of the day, guess what they did? They were going to die for what they believed. I mean, they were committed people. They were loyal people. They had a lot of faults, didn't they? I mean, they had a lot of issues. They weren't looked on by society like the rich. They weren't dressed like the rabbis. They weren't walking around, men acting like they were spiritual. Yet Jesus 
<laughs> the 12 that he picks, man, a bunch of misfits. Praise God for that. A bunch that didn't look the part, that didn't fit the part. A bunch that couldn't, it couldn't have been their talent. It couldn't have been who they were. And Jesus goes to these men and he says, hey, I want you on my team. I want to give you just three quick things this morning that Jesus, that I'm reminded of about when Jesus picked his team. And I don't know about you, but I want to be on team Jesus, don't you? More than I want to be on team political, whoever, you can fill in the blank there. Somebody help me this morning. I want to be on team Jesus. Man, when I, the team that I want to be, I don't want to be on team Baptist. <laughs> Are y'all awake in here this morning? Y'all feeling okay? I don't want to be on team, listen, I, I don't even want to, I want to be on team Jesus this morning. If Jesus is for it, I want to be for it. If it's on Jesus, that's the team that I want to be on. Because it may seem like his team is losing now, but I remember the end of the story. Guess what? His team ain't going to lose. It's going to win, okay? So what did he, when, when it came to this, his team, who, what did he look for? Who did he pick? Man, these 12 men. Who is it that he picked? The first thing I noticed this morning is this. Jesus was not looking for perfect people to be on his team. And all of God's people said, finally. He wasn't looking for nobody perfect. You know why? There ain't any. <laughs> There's no perfect people. Do you know the scriptures? Paul spends the first three chapters of Romans. Romans, showing that all men are guilty before God. The Jew is guilty before God. The Hebrew is guilty before God. The hypocrite is guilty before God. The Gentile is guilty before God. All of creation, all of flesh is guilty before God. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all in the same boat. We all fall short. And that's good news because he still picks us and uses us and chooses us. He doesn't choose perfect people. And that's something we've got to understand. If we're not careful, we'll feel like this. I'm not good enough to be used by God. I'm not good enough for God to work through me. And you know what? You're right. But you know what the good news is? Just like the news was for the disciples, it's not based on who you are. Somebody helped me preach this morning. It's based on he is, who he is. It's not based on your righteousness. It's based on his righteousness. It's not based on your life. It's based on his life. It's not based on what you've done. It's based, y'all believe this this morning, it's based on what he's done. Listen, he doesn't use perfect people. And that's good news for us. He never used a perfect person to preach. He never used a perfect person to sing. He never used a perfect person to teach that Sunday school class. He never used a person, perfect, perfect person uh, to lead that connections group or to lead that choir, to play in the band or do whatever. No. He uses broken, sinful, ignorant, unlearned, somebody help me this morning, people. That means he can use you. And he can use me. He didn't go into the rabbinical school Trying to figure out who he was going to pick. He didn't go into that place of education. And by the way, y'all got to understand something. In these rabbinical schools, these dudes had the Old Testament memorized. Those first five books, they knew it all. Guess what? He didn't go to none of them. He went, into the, he went to the uneducated fishermen. <laughs> Praise God this morning. Man, he went to the tax collector who was a cheat. Called him. Man, he went, he went to that zealot who was so worried about what was going on in the White House, he forgot who was really in control and used him. 
God never used a perfect person. And I just want to remind you this this morning. Maybe you feel like God can't use you. I have some good news for you. If you're willing, God can use you this morning. Listen, if you're willing. Second thing I want you to notice is this. Not only is he not looking for perfect people to be on his team, Jesus picked imperfect people who were simply willing, willing to follow him. Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, and here it is, and this is what he says to us. If any man will come after me, this is the hard part. This is the hard part. Let him deny himself <laughs> and take up his cross and follow me. See, anybody can follow rules. Not anybody can deny self. Denying self takes a supernatural, spiritual work in our hearts and lives. Because here's what happens. Our lives, guess who they're all about? Us. Even as Christians this morning, if we're not careful, our lives are all about us. I had somebody one time, this is how, let me just explain it this way. A little extreme example, but I like it. Had somebody one time, well, I just don't like that song in church. Well, last time I checked, we weren't singing to you. You see what I'm saying? Even church come, becomes about us. <laughs> if we're not careful. Man, it becomes about everything but what it's about. Denying of self. Man, that's hard, isn't it? These dudes that follow Jesus. Man, y'all realize Matthew, Levi, he was a tax collector. That joker was a rich, he was rich. When he followed Jesus, he denied himself. He denied his finances. It says he left it all right there that day. And what did he do? He packed up. And he followed Jesus. That takes a denying of self. Some of us, and I'm not trying to be mean. I've been there before. Some of us can't even deny ourselves enough to wake up a little earlier to get in the Word. But I'll die for Jesus. No, you won't. You won't even live for Him. Some of us won't even deny our flesh enough to spend some time in prayer because it's hard work. Some of us, and I, I've been there. Man, we won't even decide, deny ourselves enough to serve in a ministry because it inconveniences our schedule. What we've got going on. Man, some of us won't deny ourselves enough, man, to go help another person that's in need or to be a blessing to that other person. If you're going to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ, there's going to be times in your life where your flesh wants something or doesn't want something, and you're going to have to, listen, you're going to have to deny it, and you're going to have to follow. And it's more than just waking up on Sunday morning and coming to church. It's a good thing to come to church. But you know where we find out what church is and what church does? It's when the church leaves the church. Tomorrow, do we deny ourselves and follow Jesus? On Tuesday, do we deny, or do we just go through a religious act and we come and sit in a pew or a chair and we sing a few songs and maybe we laugh a little bit and grab some coffee and, you know, some cool stuff on the way out or whatever, or go to an activity? Or is this really a time where we've denied ourselves and we said, you know what, Jesus, if following you requires me to change my schedule. Jesus, I'm going to change my schedule. Jesus, if following you is going to call, if I've got to give up this habit or I've got to make this change in my schedule or if I've got to do this thing and this is what you want for me, I'm willing to deny myself. And here's a, here's a word that our kids learn real early that some of us have a hard time saying to ourselves because I do too. No. Denying of self. Saying no. Having the self-discipline and the character to have control over your own spirit and say no and to move forward for the cause of Christ. It's kind of like this those Sunday mornings. Anybody else ever wake up and not feel like going to church? It's okay to raise your hand in our church. You ever feel like it? I do. 
You ever feel like, man, you know what, I just, it's a rainy Sunday morning. It's not like it is, or it's a really nice Sunday morning. That lake looks awesome today. Somebody help me. It's like, man, and I listen, I'm, and let me just say, state this is, listen, I get it, man. There's times we need with our family. And I'm not against that. I know that. there's times we need to go away. There's times we need vacation. We need to, but if the norm for us on Sunday morning is, eh, I'm going to decide the day if I'm going to go to church or not. Man, if I feel like it. Man, let me, let me think, is, is Pastor Colin going to be making snow cones on the way out? I don't know. Um, man, are they going to do cotton candy today? Is the Easter bunny going to be dressed up? Are they going to have a sleigh out? For, you see what I'm saying? Like, man, if it's going to be cool, we'll be there. I wonder if I want, listen, can I just say this, man? That's a small commitment. To be faithful, right? This is a small thing. My Bible reading, like if I, man, I, yeah, if I have time or what? You see what I'm saying? These disciples, they left it all. They did not sell, and they followed him. Can I just ask you this morning? He he picked imperfect people, but here's the difference: those imperfect people, they were willing to follow. He, they didn't stay where they were. They took steps forward. They grew. Man, they were moving forward. Here's the thing. Every one of us in this room this morning, we're either growing or we're dying. Listen, we're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. I like being around new Christians and new believers. You know why? Because they, they haven't been ruined by church yet. They're still fired up about it. They still love it. They hadn't been fought over all the stupid stuff. They hadn't seen this church splits over the dumb stuff. By the way, we don't put up with that mess here. There's 300 and something churches in Iredell County, and if you want to go fight somewhere, there's plenty of them that will do it today. They've, they haven't been ruined by that kind of stuff yet. Man, they're excited. Man, the blood's still, man, it's still fresh to them. The fact that their life's been changed, they've been getting victory, chains have been broken. Some of us, let me just say this as a side note, some of us have been, some of the worst people to be around, and I'm not saying all of them, because I love being around the old saints of God, but I'm talking about those that have been in church, but they've gotten cold, they're indifferent, they do it because it's a religious act, and they have a hard heart. Don't fall into that trap. Deny yourself. Fall in love with Jesus. Go back to the cross once in a while. Remember who you were before he changed their life, and just simply follow him daily. Man, be committed to him daily. So if we're going to have a true relationship with him, it's not about just following rules. It's not about just going to church, although those are part of it. It's about simply having a relationship. To have a good relationship, guess what I have to have? I have to have communication. If I have no communication, I have no relationship. So if I'm not in the and how do we communicate with God? We communicate with God through prayer and through Bible reading. He communicates with us through prayer and through Bible reading. So if I'm not reading my Bible and if I'm not praying, guess what? I don't have a relationship. I may be saved. I may be on my way to heaven. Man, I may have that reconciled relationship where we're good but I don't know him, and I'm not growing. Man, I've got to deny myself and truly follow. I've got a desire to be with him. It said this, they were ignorant and unlearned men, but I love that next phrase. But it was obvious that they had been with Jesus. See, if you're with Jesus, <laughs> it's going to be obvious. If you're spending time with him, because here's the thing, who you hang out with, guess what, is who you're going to be like. And if you're, So if you're not hanging out with Jesus, you're not going to be like Jesus. But the more time you spend with him, the more you will be like him. I mean, they were just willing. Can I just ask you this morning, are you willing? Man, are you willing to follow? Are you willing to deny the flesh? Are you, are you willing? Man, that denying of self, when he called, they followed. Jesus transformed the disciples. And here's the awesome part. If he transformed them, he can transform you. You know, he can give you peace. When you doubt, just like he eventually did with doubting Thomas, he can help you with that doubt. Hey, when you deny, 
He can help you. You can get past it. Man, if you have issues in your life, man, he can use you just like he used these men. Man, Peter, I think sometimes we try to super spiritualize some things. Peter literally was denying one day, preaching Pentecost the next. Maybe put it this way. If there's breath in your lungs and you're willing to change and follow, God can use you. But they had to make the choice to follow. I mean, when he said, hey, follow me, they weren't robots that he forced them to come. They had to choose to follow him. So I want you to think about this one. Are you truly following? Are you truly growing? Are you willing? Are you serving? Are you involved? Or are you just a bystander? Are you one of those other disciples? Are you just part of that crowd that showed up when they were feeding the 5,000? <laughs> Man, are you in that inner circle with Jesus? Thirdly, notice this, and we'll be done this morning. Jesus picked those. This is heavy right here. That at the end of the day, we're willing to pay the price. Say, what do you mean? Most of the disciples disappear from the Bible in the first century. History records what they did. Frankly, they carried Christianity all over the known world at that time. The disciples did not start too well, but they ended strong. The impact of Jesus that he had on them. The same ones that denied him would die for him. The same ones that ran when he went to the cross would end up dying later for him. You know what that tells me, by the way, that the resurrection wasn't fake because they had seen him. There's no way in the world them jokers, every one of them would have died if it was a lie. We know their character. We've seen it up to this point. James was martyred in the streets of Jerusalem in 45 A.D. Matthew, we've seen Levi, gave up financial security to follow Jesus Christ, and he was slain with a sword in Ethiopia. Matt, you can help me out. We're done this morning. Philip was born in a little city called Bethsaida, which means the house of the fisher or the house of the hunter. He went fishing and hunting for men, and he was hanged until the end of his life. Bartholomew, listen to this, was skinned alive. Andrew took the gospel, they say, to Russia He was crucified in Greece. Thomas, often criticized for his doubts, left no doubt as to his loyalty to the Savior. He carried the gospel to East India where he was run through with a lance, history tells us. Thaddeus was shot to death with arrows. Simon the Zealot, a member of the Jewish Nationalistic Party, ready to die for his country against the Romans that he hated. He was crucified in what we would call modern-day Iran. Peter got as far as Rome where he too was crucified at his request upside down because he didn't consider himself worthy to die right set up as the Lord did. John died in his 90s, exiled on the Isle of Patmos after writing the Gospel of John, three epistles in Revelation. Here's what I want us to think about this morning. All that to say this. The, the pollster, um, George Gallup, contends that fewer than 10%, y'all listen, fewer than 10%, of evangelical Christians could be called deeply committed. Most of those who profess Christianity don't know his basic teachings, don't act differently because of their Christian experience. George Barna found that almost half, 46% of evangelicals, read their Bible only once a week, if even at all. Let me, let's think about this. A religion that gives nothing, this is what Luther said, costs nothing, and suffers nothing, is worth nothing. Every one of these men suffered for the cause of Christ. May I remind each of us this morning that standing for, following of Jesus, there are times where, it, man, it could seem costly. 
However, the rewards of his, of, of his glory pales in comparison to this temporary suffering. Th- those crowds that would follow him, you know what they would end up doing? They'd be the same ones that crucified him. Listen, when they thought he, that when, and here's where we are so much. When they thought Jesus could do something for them, guess what? They were there. When he could heal them, the crowds were there. Hey, when they, he was feeding them, the crowds were there. Listen, it, it reminds me that, listen, we've got to be faithful to the end, not just when he's blessing us. Following Jesus is not always the easy way, but it's always the right way. One verse I want to read you when we've done this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. Listen. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Man, are we living for those eternal things? You may be here this morning. And you may think that no matter how much time you spend with Jesus, you can't ever see God using you. I just want to tell you this. If God is calling you not for what you are and what you can do, but for what He can do through you. Listen, when He calls, can I just tell you this? I want to encourage you to obey. When He speaks to your heart and tells you to do something, you know what those times are. Man, obey Him. Man, truly follow Him this morning. Here's my question to you. We're all sitting in church this morning where we should be. But are you a follower of Christ? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you truly following Him? Not just on Sunday morning, but with your life. Are you committed to Him? Would you be one? And when He walks by, He says, man, I want Him on my team. He's not perfect. He's got some issues. (laughs) Oh, but my grace is sufficient. He's willing. I can use a willing person that's not perfect. Are you willing this morning? Maybe you need to just stop today and say, God, I want you to use me in a great way. Lord, I want you to help me to minister to somebody that you've placed in my life. God, I want you to work in my life, and I want to see some things done in my life like I've never seen before. If that's you today, when we pray in just a minute, I want to just encourage you to ask God to do that in your life. You're not perfect. We know it. He knows it. But he can use imperfect people that are willing this morning. God, I'm willing. Anything you want, I'm willing to deny myself. And I'm willing to follow you. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let's stand to our feet. Matt's going to sing. Author's open if you need a place to pray. There'll be some counselors down front that that can help you if you need prayer. They'll be here during the invitation and after the service. Matt's going to sing just a verse of invitation.